You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your pods. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nada the Scribe. And if you follow Nada on Twitter at Nada the Scribe, you know that he might have to hit the therapy couch today. Do you want to vent, Nada? Do you want to talk about some of the things that you're going through via Hornets Twitter right now? I just want to know who raise y'all to have these kind of expectations when there ain't no real expectations for this team right now that's, that's all i want to know uh, that's, that's it that's it that's all i want to know because it wasn't you you were trying to tell everybody that this is not going to be a playoff team and now that people are angry that you have quite a bit of losses in the last seven games you're saying that people on the four game winning streak based off of that they had the playoff hopes high and it never should have been. Yeah, that no. Way. This is this is this is not. This never should have been this high. Four game, like the four game win streak. The win over again. The wins over Brooklyn. The wins over Atlanta. The wins over Dallas. Like this put us in an un. This put an unfair expectation on this team. They're a young team. They're going to be inconsistent. They're going to make mistakes. And yet, at the same time, people are wondering. Why do we have this young, inconsistent team? Like, you're this is what comes with the territory. This is what you guys signed up for. At least if you listen to this podcast, this is what you signed up for. And I don't seem to understand all the all right. Let's right get now. into long term projections and long term, I mean, just season projections where they will be at the end of the year. Let's get to the game last night and let's also get to the Charlotte Hornets factor into all of this Wall Street hullabaloo, if you will. Gabe Plotkin, the tie between what's going on in Wall Street and the Charlotte Hornets. We'll actually get to that later on in this podcast as well. I don't know how very well. We're going to speak on that, Nada. Maybe you're more comfortable speaking about all of that than I am, but I'm at least going to give it a try in some areas. So just to be completely transparent, we'll address that later on. Let's get to this game first because a lot of interesting things happened in this game um, against the Indiana Pacers that we saw last night. The Pacers won 116 to 106. The Hornets now go to 7-11 and 11 on the season. You see the last seven games, Nada, for the Charlotte Hornets, and it's not been it's not been good as far as the win-loss column goes. I mean, if you had the expectations that they were going to lose a lot, then okay. But you know, And they've been battling. They haven't been getting destroyed in a lot of these different areas. But they've been losing a lot of these games. They lost to the Pacers, the Magic. They only beat Orlando once in the two-game series they had. They lost to the Bulls by 13 at the end, the Raptors, and it all started with the Mavs loss that they had 104 to 93. Just like we came in and kind of killed the Charlotte Hornets in that win that they had earlier this season with the Atlanta Hawks didn't make any sense. Possibly they beat the Atlanta Hawks and they still, we were still killing them for it, but we didn't like the decisions that were made. We didn't like the way that they were playing and we weren't happy. It was weird. I feel the same way here, except the exact opposite where the Charlotte Hornets, they lose. And yet I feel better about what they are and what could become of this than what I did with a lot of these other losses. Nada. I like the lineups. Now, James Borrego is crazy with these lineups. 
And it doesn't mean that this is going to be something that you can expect every single game. In fact, I don't expect this every single game. James Borrego almost said as much in the the post-game press availability. But I did feel better about a lot of the things that I saw in different spurts. There's still some major problems and some passionate ones I'll get to. But overall, I actually kind of liked some of the things that I saw from the Charlotte Hornets in this one against Indiana. There was a lot to like. There was a lot of consistency. There was a lot of inconsistency, but when they were good, they were dynamic. When the rotations worked, it worked. Unfortunately, 90% of the issue that you had with this team is on the defensive end. And at this point, I just think we need to call it a wrap on expecting this team to be good on defense. Like the days they give up only 105, 107, just applaud that they tried and move forward. But for right now, this ain't a good defensive team. And I don't I don't think we should expect it to be. And I think as we talked about to begin this season, this team is going to be bad on defense. The zone was an aberration. There's a reason that they're going zone so much. It's to hide a bunch of this defense, the defensive liabilities on this team. And quite honestly, I just look at the fourth quarter and you allow Doug McDermott to score 16 and a quarter. That was the difference in the game. That was literally the difference in the game. That's what happened. And when that happens, like, I can't justify saying this is a good team. This is just a inconsistent team with some bright spots to it right now. What's crazy is that Doug McDermott scored 28 points in this game. He was the leading scorer for the Pacers in a game where Sabonis took double digit field goal attempts and missed one shot in a game where Malcolm Brogdon was killing them early on and he had 25 points and in a game where you actually had Justin Holiday knocking down a ton of threes from the perimeter and he scored 19 points in a game that saw those three guys score 19 or more. It was Doug McDermott for the Pacers that actually had Uh, the most amount of points for Indiana in 28 and he didn't even score from the perimeter. I mean, he only shot one. He only made one three out of the five that he took. Yeah. And it was all back. It was all back cut stuff from McDermott so that he was able to get had. I mean, even if you just take away that fourth quarter to have McBuckets coming in and scoring 16 or coming in and scoring 12 before he goes for 16 and a quarter, it was ugly. And the defense, it could certainly get ugly as the game went on. I want to focus on the good here. Here's the good. It's, you know, it's the fact that you see a lot less Bismack Biombo in this game. You see PJ Washington playing more small ball five. It's seeing a bunch of the different lineups that could be utilized with biz out and leaning more into Cody Zeller. And of course, bringing Malik Monk in off of the bench. I want to get into that. We're actually, let's just take a break real quick because I have a ton. I want to speak of with a lot of that stuff speak about. And so let's take a quick break and then let's go into some of the positives and the uh, negatives that we had from this game. I do want to talk a little bit more about bet online AG because bet online AG is the one place that has you covered and it's the one place that we trust BetOnline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account and use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. Again, you don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. You can get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online, your online sports book experts. What were some of the good things and the bad things that we saw from this game last night? We talk about it next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. This is locked on Hornets. I feel like Cody Martin is the perfect guy to go down there right now as much as anybody is. 
Yeah, no, like I know, that yeah, no, I definitely. Sorry, Martin. I didn't know you were tossing me there. Yeah, I definitely, okay. I definitely think that. Was uh, that a me problem or you a problem? Were you just not listening, or were, was I just did I didn't set you up? Oh, I totally wasn't. Li- well. I wasn't listening to you okay. at all. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily pod breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. You can start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Also, check out rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, and rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil they even have new carpet the rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate they're reliably low all of the prices are go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts of Available for your car or your truck, you can write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right. If you're tired of me fanboying over Malik Monk on this podcast, then you can tune out for the next segment. If that's what you want to do, that's totally cool. But I'm about to talk about Malik Monk, and I'm about to get angry at James Brago for not playing him maybe even a little bit more last night, but just even more this season. Because you think I'd be happy. You think I'd be happy to see Malik Monk out there playing well for the Charlotte Hornets and helping them actually turn it around in the second quarter, actually having some semblance of offense and the beautiful drives that Malik Monk is capable of and the beautiful passing that Malik Monk is capable of. Uh, Shocker, it helped turn around some things once he actually came in in the second quarter of action. If you're tired of it, cool. I'm going to talk about it. Because Nada, here's the thing, man. You know, it... I know I'm a fan of Malik. I get all of that. And there are people rolling their eyes right now. Fine. But but what happens here is it just continues to puzzle me why James Borrego, I always go back to those comments after that second Philly game saying we need offense, we need offense. And then you put Malik Monk in for one game against Toronto, looks good makes a mistake the second game against Toronto, doesn't see the light of day again for weeks. You bring him in in this one against the Indiana Pacers because you talked about how you're going to change the rotation. And Malik Monk comes in and immediately provides a spark. Hits one of the two three-pointers that he took. Hits three of the six field goal attempts that he took. Had a couple of assists. Was doing a nice job of actually driving to the rim. You know, was doing a good, which is something he's done well constantly, by the way. Also, was even good defensively. Not with, not only was he okay defensively, he was good defensively last night. You know, even with that play that he had in the baseline where he's able to deflect that ball out of bounds, recovering on a three-point shooter, when you had some crossing action on the baseline in the paint before they were trying to swing it around in the corner, Malik Monk actually kind of took a step back figured out, okay, is he going to need some help? I believe it was Devontae and Malik getting kind of crossed up in the paint. Malik took a step back, looked that way, said, okay, all that's accounted for, and then went to the baseline. And I know because I'm tired of people using what Malik Monk used to do defensively as a rookie and still applying that to him today being lazy. He's just not the awful, atrocious defender that people try to make him out to be anymore. Like, 
yeah, there are some things where he's just too small, and it's not like he's freaking Tony Allen out there. He's not going to be yelling first-team all-defense ever in his career. Fair enough. But he's also not atrocious. And it makes me mad that James Borrego wants offense, and you don't even have to sacrifice a ton of defense, and you can put Malik Monk out there, and your team is better because he's playing, one, in a position that is deserved of minutes and also over the Martin Twins, who he's just better than. He's just better than the Martin Twins. Well, I'm going to be angry, Nada, if Borrego does not play Malik Monk next game because in the postgame press conference, James Borrego says that he thought Malik Monk played well, but he said maybe there's, so, maybe there's some more. He said maybe. <laughs> there's some more minutes that he can find for him going forward. It's just maddening to see a player that deserves a spot that helps the team that can't get any time. And as soon as he makes a mistake, he's going to pay dearly. Look for at this point, he doesn't trust him. And honestly, like I understand this season, this season, oh, this season, the, the minutes we've seen Malik Monk has earned the benefit of the doubt. But unfortunately with Malik Monk, there's previous past behavior that unfortunately he's not going to be able to overcome in just a couple of games. Unfortunately, like I think the message has been sent, yo, we don't trust this dude. And I don't, again, granted, I've been kicked out of Monk Hive. I understand why he's not (laughs) been playing. I understand why he's not been playing, but at the same time, I'm kind of at the point where this team isn't good defensively. You're trying to beat in defensive concepts for a team that's just not capable of doing it. And you got to give up the ghost. You just got to give up. Like, um, you, you have to play him at this point. Uh, I'm, so, I'm tired of fighting it. Dude, you, you should be. And you have been kicked out of Monk Hive. We are not going to accept any apology that you have. We are not okay because you used to be one of our own. And it hurts a lot more coming from somebody that has been as loyal as you. And then when you left us and you left us high and dry, we're not going to allow you back anymore. So I uh, hope you're comfortable on the outside looking in, Nada, because I'm still mad at you. Very much so. Very <laughs> much. I'm very, very okay with being on the outside of Monk Hive right now. Because you know what? I just feel like I'm on the side of right. It's okay. Uh, No, you're not. You're not on the side of right. But anyway, all right. I I get mad about that. But I will say this. I do. It is good to see Malik Monk in a game. I mean, if you're just going to talk about the end result, it is good to see Malik Monk in. And as I mentioned, it's good to see PJ Washington playing more small ball five and Bismack Biombo getting only nine minutes in this game. It was warranted. I mean, not a my God, Bismack comes into this game and he's really, really bad in a game where they probably needed some size because Sabonis comes in and actually plays when he was a game time decision for a long time with a knee injury. He comes in, goes nine of 10 from the field, plays 37 minutes. Oh, and gets a triple double. (laughs) So Sabonis, good at basketball, hashtag analysis. But I'm happy to see that the Charlotte Hornets actually went with some really cool lineups, which is something I kind of focused on on Twitter last night. So one lineup that you had, it was Devontae Graham, Malik Monk in the backcourt. Then you had Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, who I've also been um, praising this year, and P.J. Washington at the five. I liked that lineup. And then what happens is you start to see LaMelo ball in for Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward gets to the bench a little bit. I like that backcourt combination. You even put LaMelo Ball and Malik Monk, just sick passing all around, is capable when you have those two in the game. And you have Bridges and PJ at the four and the five. And um, the other one is just leaning into more Cody Zeller. 
you know, having Malik Monk and, and LaMelo or Devonte, and then putting Cody Zeller at the five. Like those are the things that I like to see from James Borrego sticking with some of those rotations. It doesn't mean that he's going to stick with that long-term because we've seen him continue to change every single game. But I did like the bodies that were out there together on the floor. And I'll tell you this, you know, it, the only problem I have is LaMelo only playing 22 minutes. It, it's it's not like, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him play a little bit more. I, I didn't think he was bad in this one. I thought it warranted more playing time, you know? So, like, if you wanted to justify LaMelo not playing maybe the last game or something like that because of a, a series of multiple mistakes, okay. But he didn't have that here. You know, defensively, no perimeter player was good, and we can go in on them here in a second. But, but 22 minutes, it's not 15, right? Like, it's not 17. Yeah. It's at least yeah. north of 20. That's the only thing I wanted to see more of is, is playing LaMelo a little bit more. But at the end, it's not like that's something I'm going to chastise Borrego for. I'd like to see him more if I had it my way. But overall, it's not something that I'm going to stomp my foot over. Well, I, the only question I would have for anyone that thinks that Lamel should have played more, where was the minutes? Devontae played kind of well last night. Like, there are there are times where the substitution patterns of James Borrego leave you scratching your head. Last night was not one of them for me. One of the last night was where are you going to find the minutes? Who's at, at whose expense? Because Terry was hitting big shots last night. Devontae was hitting equally big shots. Like at some like Gordon, you're gonna need out there. And mind mm. you, shout out to the Indiana Pacers for basically putting four, making sure that four guys knew where Gordon Hayward was at any given time on the defensive end. That was kind of nice to see how many people loaded up on Gordon Hayward. When's the last time you could say that about a Charlotte Hornet? And granted, you're gonna everyone's gonna say Kemba Walker, not to this degree. Like Gordon Hayward had heavy attention on defense last night. And it was it was kind of wild to see, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah, and I and I would go to Kimba, but also just for the reason being that there wasn't as much scoring talent on that team, certainly towards the end with Kimba there. And so, if you took away Kimba, you know, as Kevin Durant called the head of the snake, then who else could you rely on? I mean, th that you talk about talent depleted, and certainly just even scoring depleted. Even if you want to make the case, Marvin, decent NBA player, Nick Batum, when he was okay, decent NBA player, but they couldn't get any scoring. Here you have some scoring if you take Gordon Hayward away, um, but not enough. You know, look, to me, like the Pacers, they're a good basketball team, man. And I know that they missed TJ Warren last night, but they're just good. They're well coached. They have talent. Malcolm Brogdon was good and strong. Like those, the perimeter players that we have for the Hornets on this team, they don't have a shot in hell at competing in the weight room with Malcolm Brogdon. And you saw that with one of those layups he hit, taking it to the chest of one PJ Washington. You know, it's yeah. funny, like PJ is a strong dude. And he can showcase that every once in a while. And Malcolm just took it to the chest of him. Like, nah, man, I'm not getting phased at all. I basically just went through air. So you know, that's a problem. When we talk about the team defense real quick, Nada, you opened up as that having a problem here, like having a problem with it. Totally agree with you. To me, it's more so of what we've seen from the perimeter players, the, the perimeter players not playing good defense. And Gordon yeah. Hayward won good defensively last night. I mean, yeah. I, you could see Gordon Hayward, you know, he like he bites and, and closes out hard on or closes out not very well in the corner and, you know, lets a guy drive baseline extremely easily. Terry Rozier, man, look, I like Terry Rozier. You, know, you yeah. can come out with these comments about how they need to have pride in guarding man to man. Terry was bad. And, you know, it's something I said yesterday on the pod that, OK, 
You can come out with these comments. You can be a vocal leader. I'm here for it. I, 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 Terry has shown that he can be a leader for this team. But you got to do it defensively on the floor if you're going to call out other people and hopefully yourself. But, you know, do it. Play good yeah. defense. Don't let DeMontis Sabonis go Allen Iverson on you on the perimeter. You can talk about, oh, Sabonis is actually a really skilled and talented big dude. Yep, totally agree with you. That's totally agreeable. It doesn't mean that Sabonis should be driving by Terry Rozier by crossing him up and going left. That, that shouldn't happen. And Terry is doing this thing where he allows people to get into the pain. Lamella will go, will go rogue. We know that. Devontae doesn't provide a lot of resistance. And again, it's Malik who gets bleeped on for defensively. To oh, I play. knew we were coming back here. Well, I, I mean, get, but he plays the best of the defenders. And, and even then, it's not like he's some, you know, again, he's not Tony Allen. It, perimeter defense is a problem with this team. They allow a lot of penetration, which leads to kickouts, too. It, it's a real problem. And even looking for some interior defense, right? Like, I would welcome a, you know, a Miles Turner light for sure. The big athletic rim running big guy. Uh, 100% I'd welcome that. But PJ actually thought, had a couple of nice defensive possessions and even miles here and there too. And so it, to me, I think the biggest egregious mistakes, they were all made on the perimeter last night from the guards that were playing on that end of the floor. No, they absolutely were like, le- they were legitimately having again, guard mistakes. The bigs have been a problem at points this time at this, this point this year, like we can make it, you can make the case that miles bridges who we might consider an average defender has been the best defender on this team. It's crazy, but you're clear you're, margin. I mean, yeah, man. Like, look, it, it's it's Miles and PJ playing better as the season's gone on. I mean, I didn't think Cody was atrocious last night. Like, yes, yeah, a bonus was out here balling for sure, but I didn't think Cody. It's not like I watched Cody and thought, "Good God, that is so so bad." Like, it, it, again, you're right, Nada, and I've been really hard on Miles in the past for just team defense. But it's been Miles, it's been, you know, PJ lately. And then, you know, Cody, since he's come back, who just understands what to do, it, it, it's the perimeter players. You're right about Miles. Now, the other thing, like at this point, with this team being the way it is, and it, honestly, this, this is where my criticism of the front office comes in the, in the play. Like, you, this Biggs was an issue with this team for a while. And the minute you drafted LaMelo, the big they chased was Montrez Harrell, which still doesn't make any sense to me. Montrez Harrell is an offensive big and a, a one-way big, and he would not have done – he wouldn't have stopped anything. He wouldn't have grabbed rebounds. The issue is they're trying to use the five spot as a way to generate offense and not do anything on the defensive end. It's almost like they've given up on that end and saying, we don't have the guys to do that, but we need to score all these points. They're trying to game the system, and it's not necessarily working. At some point, this team needs a big. I'm not going to be one of those that calls for Andre Drummond because I don't think, one, I don't think Andre Drummond (laughs) fixes this. No. Two, I don't think Andre Drummond is actually coming here. There is a lot, like, like, there's a lot of this that is just a roster issue, per se. And I wish we did, like, the thing is, this is why we were talking about Okongwu over other people because guys like Okongwu make a whole bunch of sense for this team when you when when you say what they do at an elite level is rebound, block shots and defend the paint and defend the pick and roll as a big. Those guys are invaluable and the Hornets need one of those guys and they don't have it right now. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about this game. You talk about gaming the system. It's what Robin Hood might be trying to do. We'll get to that in just a moment. The third segment on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I want to talk about Built Bar, though. Hell, if you want to buy some stock, I'm telling you right now, I absolutely would with Built Bar because they taste phenomenal. Not I had the raspberry chocolate Built Bar today. It was excellent. It's one of the 12 original flavors, but they got six new ones. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. It's all great stuff. It's 100% chocolate that it's wrapped in, and it's great for the health conscious guy. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in that delicious treat that you're eating with that Built Bar, and you can go to BuiltBar.com and get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Once again, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We do our best attempt to talk about the Charlotte Hornets factor and what's going on in Wall Street. That's coming up next. Next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. But what he showed in Summer League, comma, a Euro step into a windmill during a game, end of comma, oh, could yeah. put him on the radar of a uh, radar, excuse <laughs> radar. Me, of all NBA. Yeah, on the radar. On the radar of <laughs> all NBA fans as a nightly highlight producer. Yeah, you're Charlotte, you're Charlotte coming out there. Yeah, I'm from come from uh, Catawba County. Could put so, him on the radar. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Go behind the scenes of the game you love and get all sides of the story with the Rejecting the Screen pod. Each week, Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko get personal while interviewing players, coaches, media members, all the people who make the NBA happen. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcast. They just released part two of the Kobe Bryant episode. Um, Real quickly, Nada, I know that you put out a thread with the kind of projections that you have with this team. This is not necessarily a playoff team and I know you talk about some of those big guys that haven't been utilized whatsoever with this Hornets team um you know do you think that sent a message as to what they truly think with and, and I even saw you kind of talking about the comments that Miles Bridges had at the beginning of the season what what do you think that all means as far as the kind of outlook that the Hornets had coming into 2020 2021 Quite honestly, I thought the outlook was we have to support the young guys that we have so that they don't look at this as a low-rent franchise. Because quite honestly, people don't seem to understand that the, the general outlook in the league about the Charlotte Hornets is pretty damn low. So if we're going to talk about this being like one of those things like you had to establish credibility. You had to try. You had to build around the pieces that you already had. The meal, again, you already had the pieces in the fridge to make a meal. It's time to make a meal around the pieces that you had. And the lamello ball piece is one of is one of those thing, unexpected things where you bought like a filet mignon on a yellow tag sale at Harris Teeter. You got you lucked into one of those pieces. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you have to build and support this team. Now, granted, this is where my issue is with this horn- with the front office, is that while they've hit on a bunch of these second rounders, at some point you needed to support this with an actual big. And I understand why you went for for Vernon Carey because he was a guy that can he was a face up big that could possibly once he got his defense right stay on the floor and do things for you. I even understand Nick Richards because if he hits, if he becomes anything slightly rem- like remotely decent on on defense he changes the calculus too and then you're not having to invest anything 
in the bigs market that's going to be overpriced because no one's going to be there. Like, I understood all of the reasons to do what they've done. They did this to establish something. They were a year away from, okay, we can finally legitimately criticize this team. This team does not have the stamps on the passport to be a playoff team. We've said four months right now, four months that this was at best a play-in tournament team. I don't understand why we're going to the point, to the extent of, hey, fire Borrego, fire this, trade this guy, this, that, and the third. Because I want to let you guys in on a little secret. If you've read anything and you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me say this. Nobody's coming this year to save this team. The answers are on the roster. You're gonna have, they're going to have to figure this out, which is kind of why I want the expectations to die for this team so that we can actually have fun with the experimentation phase because that's where the joy is going to, going to come. The expectations for this team suck right now, and, I'm a lo- and, and I really wish they did not have to deal with it. All right, I'm sorry for leading everybody on. I hate to do this, but we do have a couple of things that we got to take care of on the outside world. I thought we could get this recorded within a timely manner, but Nada, I know that you're busy, so I want... And maybe it's even better. Maybe we can get some more information on Gabe Plotkin, who is the... Uh, uh, chief investment officer of what's going on with Melvin Capital right now and the fact that they're just getting destroyed by Reddit users. We can talk about Gabe Plotkin because he is a minority owner with the Charlotte Hornets franchise. We can discuss if there's anything to monitor with any of this, whether that would mean something for the Charlotte Hornets, whether it means anything for Michael Jordan. We can address that tomorrow. I promise we'll get to that, but we have to get out because we actually are in a time crunch. I apologize about that, but we do, as always, appreciate you listening to us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. That wraps up this edition. Thanks again to you guys for supporting the show. Tell your smart device, by the way, to play the most recent episode of Rejecting the Screen. Kobe Bryant Part 2 coming out today. Have a great day. We will be back with you tomorrow.